Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. So in order to succeed as a business and a brand today, you have to master the art of getting the attention of your target audience, whether that's by putting yourself in front of them through paid ads or by earning their attention through value and entertainment. Well, the number of ways that we can reach out to our audience has never been greater or easier. All it takes is a cell phone and a little bit of creativity. Now, while the opportunity available is massive, so is the amount of competition and noise that you have to compete with. So how do you do it? How do you rise to the top of your industry and stand out from the crowd in a tidal wave of content that is being presented to your prospects as they scroll through their feeds on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and email? At the end of the day, there are countless business owners who are trying to build a following on social media, but very, very few of them really get it and manage to build a growing base of loyal fans. Well, today we're joined by Peter Vug. Peter is a young entrepreneur that I've actually been following and observing for the past two years because he understands social. He understands personal branding, and he knows how to attract his target audience. In fact, he's turned his methods into an actual strategy and a blueprint that he's going to share with you here today. First and foremost, we're going to dive into the three primary things you need to do to stand above the noise. And then in the second half of the show, he's going to share the actual system that he and his team have developed to create, share, and distribute all of their content for maximum attention and impact. This is a value-packed episode. It was uh, an awesome interview. And as always, thank you for listening and for your support. So many of you have sent in emails to my team or have reached out to me on Instagram personally to express your appreciation for this podcast. And I want you to know that it truly, truly means a lot. If you've been impacted by what you've learned from our amazing guests over the past two years, shoot me an email. The address is mike at selfmademan.com. And myself and my team would love to hear your thoughts because that's why we do this. As you know, we don't monetize the show. We don't have ads. We don't have sponsors. I don't promote anything. The entire reason this exists is to help you guys to deliver value and to uh, improve your life and mine as well as we learn from the amazing people who give their time every single week to produce this show. So thanks so much. And with that being said, please welcome Peter Vug. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Dillard here. And today we have a very special guest that I have really enjoyed observing over the last year or two. So Peter Vug, welcome to Self Made Man. It's a pleasure to finally have you on. It's my pleasure, man. I'm excited to be here and I'm ready to go. So... I found you, I think, through Gerard Adams about a year and a half, two years ago. And, you know, along with him, you're one of the young entrepreneurs out there who've really tapped in to the millennial generation. And, you know, I'd say those 18 to to 25 year olds out there. And essentially, you're promoting entrepreneurship, education, uh, and the lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur to that generation, uh, I guess, with style, if that makes sense, with style or taste, which is why I've enjoyed following, uh, following your work on Instagram and your other social media channels. So I wanted to, to get you on the show today to talk about that, to talk about branding, to talk about how to get noticed, uh, how to stick out, out in the marketplace today, and how to appeal to that younger generation. But before we dive into the specifics on that, what's your story for people who are not familiar with it yet? 
Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. So I became an entrepreneur when I was 15. I had an eBay business. And I, I don't know, I, I didn't, I couldn't pay attention in school. If you know me, I'm extremely ADD and, and type A and very hyper. And obviously that doesn't go well growing up in a very small town with a traditional school. So I was always in trouble. Not, not the bad kind of trouble, Mike, but just, I was always hyper. I always wanted to do things. So I felt like I was placed in a box. So entrepreneurship really saved my life um, when I was 15 and, and I'm forever grateful. That's why I continue to preach it. So when I was 15, I started an eBay business. I don't remember how I got into eBay, but I, I got into buying and selling. I started with shoes, Air Jordans, Nikes. I would buy in bulk overseas and I would sell them at my school. I would hire my friends to sell them. And the breakthrough for me was my friends worked for my dad doing construction and I, I just couldn't stand doing hard labor in construction. I don't know why I just couldn't stand doing it. And one day my friend was was shoveling sand and working all day. He, he was making seven bucks an hour. I think he made 60 or 65 bucks that day hard labor. And I had checked my eBay and I had made $91 from one transaction. So that's when it really started where I was like, wow, I can really, I just made $91 in, in five minutes putting something on eBay. He worked his butt off eight hours and made 60. I need to stick with this. And I want people to know I got paid for the courage to think differently and take a risk, but that's when it started. And I got that bug. Now, fast forward a couple years, I, I'm, I'm from a very small town in Oregon where it's very, very, normal and you're supposed to get a job, a nine to five job. And so finally, I, I don't want to say force, but I, from everybody around me, it's like, you got to try a normal job. You can't do the entrepreneur thing forever. That's not really something you can do for a living. So I got a normal job, worst two months of my life, couldn't stand it. And then I got into direct sales. That was something finally where sales focus for me was I could make my own schedule and I got paid based off my potential, not based off what someone else thought I was worth. So I worked my way up direct sales. I built my own office and, uh, I did well there. I, I built it up. I had 15 employees. I had uh, 160, 170 sales reps. And in between that, I went dead broke and went through a lot of challenges. We don't have to, I could talk about my failures for, for the whole 45 minutes to an hour, Mike. I'm not going to do that. Got into direct sales, loved it, built a team and really felt like I had a gift to motivate and inspire younger people. We were able to do millions in sales. I, I was loving what I was doing. I was making three to 400K at, at 22, 23, 24 years old, but my magnitude of mission was growing and I still could not sell the company. I was still tied to technically someone above me. I had to do certain things and, and, and I feel like I'm unemployable and I, I just, I can't work for somebody. I don't know what it is. It's in my DNA. So then I got into real entrepreneurship, started a business, started realvipsuccess.com, built it up. I wrote a book, six months to six figures. And I just been continuing to grow and network and connect. And, and based on all my failures and my strengths, my weaknesses, what I wanted, I built an academy because I was investing in myself so much and wasn't really getting the tactical content and value I needed. So I figured, well, there's no, no academy out there that I feel like is going to give me value. I want to create my own. So we started the academy back in 2012 and 13. And we have a couple thousand members now and, and we've had guest speakers from all over the world and, and, and that's what I love doing. Now I travel and speak and just, I, I love, I love my life, man. I'm excited and blessed to do what I do, but it took a lot of failures. That's so, kind of the story. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. That's a great, that's a great encapsulation and summary of it. And, you know, again, I, I took notice of you, I think through Gerard a year or two ago. And the things that you, you guys have in common is I think you put a lot of effort into the look and feel of your brand, your websites, your photography. You've got an apparel line now uh, as well. And that really makes you stand out uh, in a big way compared to everybody else you know, out there in the market. And that was one of the first things we wanted to talk about today, which is 
you know, how do you how do you stand out? And I know you just gave a big talk about this topic specifically uh, in New York in a, a couple of weeks ago. So take us through that presentation, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So it's I mean, it was a couple of days ago, actually, and it was really how to rise above the noise as an entrepreneur, as a brand, as a business, because me and you both know every single day, I think everybody and their mom right now is like, I have a social media agency. I have a business. And everyone's like, I have a new business. I'm an entrepreneur. And the reality is 99 out of 100 don't actually rise above the noise and start making a real profit where it allows you to do what you love and impact people and have a living. So I just, I, I thought about what really helped me build different businesses that all rose above the noise. And I think first it comes down to knowing yourself and knowing your values. I think people build businesses around maybe a trend or something they, they think sounds Sounds good, but they don't think about, is this going to keep me fascinated and engaged the next one, two, three, five years? They don't really think ahead and they're not as strategic and intentional. And if you build a brand that's an in the moment brand because it sounds fun and it sounds good and someone else made money, but it's not truly what you would ride or die for and something that you would really work a hundred hours if you had to, to make work, it's going to vary. It's going to be drudgery and you're going to be stressed out. So I think it starts with knowing your values. I know exactly who I am what I want, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. So I don't think people start with knowing themselves. And then for me, it's knowing your clientele and knowing your customers, really knowing and articulating their problem better than everybody else. Because you have to realize the likelihood of the marketplace responding because you want something is zero. And a lot of people are creating things because they feel like people want something. But I think that's a mistake. You have to survey and do your due diligence and ask and, and pay attention to see what your customers want. What are they missing? What problem are you solving? And a lot of people, the mistake I see before I dive into the tactics, they're just trying to sell themselves and their expertise, not the solution or the outcome to the prospect's problem or desire. So I kind of stumbled upon building a brand around millennials and impacting millennials because that's all I knew in direct sales for five or six years from 21 to 26, 27, I was impacting, motivating, training, teaching, and inspiring millennials. So I got to know them. I got to know their hot buttons. I knew what drove them, what didn't. I saw they were a different generation than the ones before them. And then if you really, really understood them, they would break records and do amazing things. But if you try to manage them and try to tell them what to do, they're going to rebel and do the opposite. And I see a, a very big disconnect right now between the traditional CEO and millennials. There's such a disconnect there between the old generation and the new generation because there's so much, I mean, we can dive into that later. But I think the first step, honestly, if we can go through steps, is just shifting your perspective and creating a brand that's about something, making it a movement that people wanna be a part of. I think plans are failing left and right and movements, brands that are about something connected to a cause are what's really gonna help people rise above the noise. So that was one of my biggest breakthroughs, Mike, is knowing myself and figuring out, okay, what are my strengths? Is there a need for this brand? How can I differentiate my brand to where, if someone asks me, okay, there's a lot of personal growth, a lot of brands out there that do what you do. What's gonna make your brand different than any and every other brand on the planet? And I realized 
And we can talk about, for me, it was social media. It was looking at other brands' weaknesses and figuring out, okay, how can I plug in right here? Most brands are not capitalizing on social media. They're not as vibrant. They're not relevant. They're not as new when it comes to video and engaging content. So I wanted to get that engaging content out there to attract the right people and attract millennials. So, I mean, there's so many different angles we can take. I gave my three biggest breakthroughs in this talk, so we can dive into those. But anything specific you want to hit on as far as tactics go, because that's where it starts. And I don't think people start there. I don't think people start with knowing themselves and understand it's about the customer. It's about creating raving fans, not what you think they want. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I would love it if we can go through those through those three breakthroughs. That'd be perfect. Yeah. So for me, I was at an event and when I was struggling and stressed out and broke and frustrated and discouraged and and I feel like I was letting my family down because I had gotten into entrepreneurship and told everybody I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And of course, almost everyone and you guys can probably relate when you're listening. Oh, you can't do that. And even five or 10 years ago, it was it was a little bit harder to get that approval from people. And I felt like I let people down. But I remember thinking I need to make this work. So I had a lot of breakthroughs that led up to that moment. But the first thing for me was shifting from complexity to simplicity and getting rid of all the noise out there and really, really understanding and getting crystal clear clarity on exactly what I wanted in myself and in a brand. So I think that's the first step people need to realize if they want to get to the next level, they have to simplify everything in their head, all the noise out there and shift from complexity to simplicity. I had a one page plan that I created that any brand that can do this, any CEO, any young entrepreneur, it's such a game changer. So the first thing I did was It was one page and I got all my thoughts and everything that was most important to me on that one page. And I can kind of dive through that. The first thing is an ideal outcome paragraph where it's like if someone asks you, what is the ideal outcome for you and your business in the next six months to a year? Now, if I ask 100 entrepreneurs and I've done this at many events, I just spoke with Gerard Adams. We spoke in Dubai. We spoke in Tokyo. I just spoke in New York, spoke in Greece. There's a lot of places I've spoken. I always ask and less than 5% have an answer. And they say, well, I want to make more money. I want to have a brand that impacts people. Yeah, so does everybody else. You have to get very crystal clear and get articulate. If there is no limitations, what does your brand look like in six months? Like, how involved are you in your business? How many employees do you have? What is your marketing plan? How much money are you bringing in per month? How, like, those are the things you want to know. So first thing for me is I had to make a paragraph, and here's the key. You have to base this vision on what's possible and your potential, not your past insecurities or limitations. Most people are basing their ideal vision and their brand on their past somehow, their past limitations of what they couldn't do and they don't set goals big enough. And I've seen this time and time again where I tell people, make this vision without any limitations because these days anything is possible with this new economy, the new technology. I have 15, 16 year olds I know right now, Mike, that are making half a million to a million dollars and I know broke 40 year olds. How? You know what I mean? It's like we've both seen that. It's not about experience anymore and it's not about age. It's about networking and finding the right systems in place and having no limitations. And people that have 20, 30 years of experience, they tell me, they say, yeah, but Peter, I have 30 years of experience. No, you don't. You have one year repeated 30 times because you're not investing in yourself, getting better. You're not challenging yourself. You're not growing and, and getting better training and developing skills. 
So that's why you have to start with what's your ideal outcome and base it off your potential. Next for me was knowing my values and knowing exactly what was most important to me. If you're going to build a brand that scales, that rises above the noise, that's consistent, that you can eventually sell for an exit of whatever you want, you have to focus on the short term and the long term and make sure it matches all your values. Because if you're living incongruently, if one of your values is flexibility, but you build a brand that you're working 150 hours and there's no scalability or upside you're going to be incongruent and you're not going to be able to be resourceful to solve that brand's problems. So for me, I figured out my, my values, family, flexibility. I knew that I couldn't work for somebody. Obviously, it was it was impact, legacy, profitability, financial freedom. And I made sure that everything that I was thinking about building matched all those values. This is a big one. And then I wrote down my top five things that I had to accomplish for the next six months. So if me and you were hanging out in six months having coffee, what would have had to happen for you to be fully satisfied and excited about your results those six months? Those are the five things that you want to write down. Remember, no limitations here. You want to let the vision guide you, not your current circumstances or your past limitations. So get clear on what those five things are. It could be three to five things that have to happen for you to either get your your, uh, brand off the ground or take your brand to a whole new level. Maybe it's from six to seven figures, seven to eight, eight to nine, whatever it is. So top five results that have to happen. Next thing down is simplifying your strongest reasons of why you do what you do. I think reasons come first, results come second. I had so many things in my head when I was becoming an entrepreneur that were pulling me to quit. To get There was hundreds of times, Mike, and I don't know if you've ever had this coming up as an entrepreneur, But there was a lot of times where it was so tough and difficult and so strenuous and stressful that I was like, you know, maybe I should just get a normal job. That's just I could check out at five o'clock and I'm done. Then I caught myself and I had all these instances when I was growing up that drove me to never, ever work for somebody else. And I had all these feelings of a boss telling me what to do and, and someone missing my parents' wedding anniversary because they couldn't make it because they didn't have money and they and they couldn't get off work. I'm 21 years old. Like, how are you 50 years old? And you have to ask another human being if you could take time off. I just never wanted to feel that way. So I stacked these reasons on all these goals. So I stacked my top five most compelling, engaging internal reasons of why I wanted to be an entrepreneur, how to make this happen. Because if you don't have reasons, the challenges are going to pull you and you're not going to be able to get past the challenges. If you have reasons, they will pull you through the challenges to get to those top five goals. Underneath the top five reasons, I would write down 25 and I would simplify because most of them are BS and there may be their material. Maybe you want a Range Rover that doesn't last long. I think you have to make a lot of money to realize it's not just about money. It took me to make money to realize it wasn't about money, but it's hard to tell someone doesn't have money. It's not about money. Right. You know what I mean? It's a it's an evolutionary process for sure. (laughs) hundred percent. It's almost impossible to tell someone it's not about the money when they can't even pay rent. You know what I mean? It's hard to kind of conceptualize. But I just I had to make money to realize, wow, that's that's it's not even close to about the money. It's about the impact and legacy for me anyways. But so I had to I had to formulate my reasons of internally what drove me. And I'll tell people, if you're not waking up at four or five or six in the morning, every morning fired up and excited when your feet hit the ground, you're ready to go take action. You don't have strong enough reasons, period. I don't know what else to tell you. You need to find, and if you asking for motivation, you shouldn't be able to do something that's firing you up. You shouldn't be able to need motivation for it if you really love it and it's something that sparks your fire, right? So next thing down, once I had those reasons, what's the one skill that's gonna help me get to that 
six-month vision? What is the one and sometimes two skills that I need to master that are most relevant to that vision? And here's the kicker. You really want to rise above the noise as a, especially a millennial, and I think anyone needs to hear this, now measure everything that comes into your inbox, comes across your desk, anything you watch, listen to, absorb. Make sure you're focused on mastery not information overload. There is such a grass is greener mentality going around now where people study and listen to audios and and listen to podcasts and watch videos and read books. And instead of executing what they already know, they will trick themselves and say, well, I need to learn more. And they just keep learning and learning and learning without executing. And they're not focused on mastery and they're overloaded. And when you're overwhelmed, you will seek distraction subconsciously. So for me, I was so overwhelmed, Mike. I had so much information and what everyone told me when I was broke is invest in yourself, buy every book, listen to every video. So I'm like, okay, I'm listening to them. And the reality was I I got overwhelmed and, and I got even worse results. So that's why I'm so big on focusing on mastery versus overload. And for me, it's just, I ask myself, is this information congruent to my six month vision? Is this information I'm consuming proven and taught by somebody who has the results I want? Have I took an action on the previous information I've learned? And am I certain this is the best information on this subject? And measure everything against that six-month vision and make sure you only consume content that's relevant to that six-month vision. And when you do that, you speed up your learning curve and you speed up your process to get results quicker and you don't waste time. So I took that sheet, I printed out three or four copies, I got them laminated and I took them everywhere with me and I was, I, I let my vision guide me, not my circumstances. That's the first step, is just getting absolute crystal clarity on who you are, who you're not, what you want and why you want it. And that's that's step one. So I don't know if you want to stop there and, and talk yeah, about no, it. I mean, you, it yeah, it, no, it's great. And I want to reiterate what you just said, because I think it's critically important, especially for those who are just getting started and, you know, likely in their 20s and, and they're kind of of the mobile phone generation. Results come from depth and not width. Yep, 100%. And if you're just listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos and maybe even reading books, you're on the wrong track. What you want to find is that you're diving into a specific skill set in $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 courses that are three ring binders or dozens of videos in an unbelievable amount of depth and detail. So as you know, like you just said, you can master that specific skill set. But if you find yourself just waiting around the surface, listening to podcasts, uh, as much as I appreciate you listening to the show, this show will broaden your your width of knowledge, but it's not going to allow you to master anything. And you've got to figure out what that's going to be first, and and do that. So I completely agree with you when it when it comes to that topic, you know, as well. And I appreciate your honesty too. And and to, to be, I've had people. I'm not joking. That say, Peter, you shouldn't teach that because then they won't buy as much stuff from you. They won't. And I'm like, I don't care. I'd rather give them the real deal and what helped me and maybe lose some money selling stuff than actually be fake and try and say things to get people to buy from me. And maybe, I mean, I mean, it just blows my mind. It's like people told me not to talk about mastery. It's like, what? No, you have to. That's the only thing that's going to work. So, well, um, it's just, it's just funny to me. I mean, that's yeah. why I respect you so much for saying that because you even said you might not master everything on your podcast, but it'll give you some knowledge that you can go deeper in another subject or deeper somewhere else. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So we've got about 20 minutes left. I want to switch gears a little bit into branding and social media, right? 
For me, for me specifically, I'm not a social media guy because I'm just a, a very big introvert. And for me to try to be Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Grant Cardone or, or yourself or Gerard or anyone, it's just not congruent with how I'm wired. And yet it's an extremely important part of marketing these days and branding and building a community and a following and all of that other good stuff. I would be unbelievably grateful if you would break down how you and your team manage your social media on a day-to-day basis. And I'm talking about from an execution standpoint, right? From a, from a look feel, if people check out your Instagram account. So I'll put it, the link in the show notes, but it's Instagram.com forward slash Peter J. Vug. Uh, that ends with a D. But check it out. And one of the things you're going to notice, Peter, is that in the vast majority, if not all of your photos of you, you've got a specific hat on. And it's not just one hat. You've got different variations of it that you've had made with the, the slogan, Oregon Boy. So first and foremost, take us into why. Uh, you've made that a part of your brand visually. How funny that you noticed that. Well, obviously you noticed, but to bring it up is very clever. I like that. I just want to establish myself where people know something I wear, they can they can relate to it or they can see it and know that's me. So I've had Oregon Boy hats everywhere I go all over the world. And it's cool that they can identify and say, you know, that's the Oregon Boy, that's Peter. So it's something, you need something to identify. Like my friend Chris uh, Record has the yellow or has the orange hat. Yep. Techademics, right? Mm-hmm. So I just, I wanted something that was identifiable to me. And the second thing is we have a clothing line too, where I was on the camera so much. We've done, we've got millions of views. I would rather have a clothing line that that's my own, that I can promote and sell that inspires people than wearing Nikes and giving them free promotion. So it's just, it was a marketing play for me a couple of years ago where it's like, I'm going to be on camera anyways. Why not promote my own clothing line versus someone else's? So let me ask you, let me ask you how that's going from, from the apparel perspective. You know, do you actually sell some? Do people buy it or is it? Yes, it's going amazing. I mean, I'm not making millions, yeah. but we, we do very well. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's delegated. The fulfillment is, is automatically, uh, happening when they buy on the website. So the fulfillment's taken care of. And I, I didn't get into that for the money. I get into it because it makes more sense logically brand wise right. that if I'm on camera and I get 250,000 views and people look up and respect me, they're going to check it out and say, Hey, I want, I want to get that brand too, because I want to feel a certain way. It's called young ambition. So I want them to feel a certain way when they wear it. And I'd rather do that than promote Nike. So I didn't really, you have to understand, I didn't, I had the long-term game of just having a clothing line that inspires people. And if I make a hundred grand a year or 500 grand a year, it doesn't really matter to me because it's systemized and delegated. Yeah, no, for sure. It's people want to, people want to live the brand and that's, that's another outlet, another way for them to do that. So that's something that you know, we've been planning to do at Self-Made Man for a while now and that we've got, you know, uh, essentially on the priority list for the next quarter. Uh, but I'm always just curious as to what are the results behind the <laughs> behind the shopping cart page, right? Yeah, um, you have to. You, I mean, I could we could talk about me and you could talk off the scene, too, on, on how to get it started. And you got to get some influencers to wear it. We've had NFL players and, and, and NBA players and a lot of influencers wear it and stuff like that. But it's just I practice what I preach and I live and die by, by the brand. So I think to answer your question, it, it, I think people need to understand the whole purpose of business is to create raving fans. There's, there's no other purpose of business than to create raving fans who love what you do, who will promote you. And let me give some tactical value so people can understand. This is why most people don't make money online and they, they think it's easy. They don't want to put the time in and there's followers, supporters, believers, and raving fans. So for us, 
followers are easy. You post something on Twitter or you share someone's article, you have a follower. They don't last very long and, they, and, and nine out of 10 times they never give you any money or ever promote you. To turn them into supporters, you have to show them you're consistent on different platforms and show that you have longevity. To turn supporters into believers, you have to be fully, fully authentic, a little bit controversial, and once again, show that you're consistent because some people have an engaging Twitter. They have no Instagram. They post sometimes on Facebook, sometimes family, sometimes business. They're just all over the place, and A-plus players will not follow that. And then to turn believers into raving fans, here's what built our business. To turn believers into raving fans and advocates, you have to add real value without expecting anything in return. So for for a year or two, we were adding so much value. I was giving my best stuff free. A, this forces you to level up and create better content, but B, you create this loyal following. Like when I say raving fan, you have to get them a real result. So I tell people, I pride myself in giving better free content than most people charge thousands for. And if you can get, like for you, you have raving fans, Mike, because you're getting people a real result from your podcast, just like I do. Like whether it's losing five pounds, whether it's dropping a toxic relationship, whether it's making a hundred dollars online, whether it's physically quitting their nine to five and becoming an entrepreneur and replacing their income. If you can help someone get a real result and build a loyal fan base and following and then survey that following and understand customers are marketing geniuses and ask them what they need, what their problems are and deliver on those promises, that's a brand in the new economy. And we've done that multiple times. We've done six and seven figure launches by asking our list, what do you have a problem with? What is not in the, in- Ty Lopez is brilliant at this. What do you need in the industry? Like what is not being delivered for you? What's your biggest problem, fear, ambition? If we created a course around this, would you buy it? Sure. What's the price points you guys would buy? Then we launch what they said they'd want and we sell out. Yeah. I mean, we, we uh, it's that was funny. a lot. Sorry. I no, no, passion. no. I'm just laughing because, <laughs> you know, I, I wrote my very first book in 2005 and the key to success is, you know, one of the, the big takeaways from that book was a line that I wrote that said, essentially to be successful, you have to be willing to give without want before you can get million percent. And, uh, yeah, so this, this is not revolutionary stuff, guys. It's just, it's just the truth and, and it's the foundational principles of what, what works over and over and over again. So, uh, the important part about that is that you have to be coming from a place of authenticity when it comes to that. It's not just a quote. It's not just, uh, a tactic, it, it has to be uh, completely congruent and authentic uh, in order for that to actually work. So that's a game changer. And that's something it's hard to teach. You can't, you can't, you have to feel it. You're either congruent and authentic around that or you're not. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting. That took me a while because I was always at the beginning of my career. And don't get me wrong, you could probably make money not being fully yourself, but it eats away at you. And there's a certain level that you cannot get past if you're, if you're like that. It took me a while to really figure myself out and figure out what my polarizing point of view was. And here's the scary thing. When you have a polarizing point of view about something, you will offend people. You will have half the market maybe be against you, but it's better to have people love you and respect you than have people just tolerate you and say, yeah, he's okay. It's better to be loved or hated than tolerated. So that took me a while. I want people to understand it's not easy to find your voice, but when you can drop the need to be liked and just be fully yourself and not fear people or what they think, that's when the, the raving fans start to come and you feel not only alive, but it's just so much, it's such a better way to live. Wouldn't you agree? When you're, you're just yourself. Sure. And I have to say that's, that's easier said than done. I remember 100%. when I uh, was first getting started and I was handling all of my customer support emails, you know, people would buy my book and 
95% of them were positive, but you would get those few that would come in and call you, you know, your work crap or whatever. And those would bug you the most, huh? Oh my God. It was, it <laughs> That's was, me too. That's it was horrific. And, and you've just got to get to a point where it doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be people who have a negative opinion of it or a different opinion or whatever it may be. And, and the sooner you can get over that and say, F those people, the better. Because if not, it's and realize too that it's a reflection of their insecurities. Like I, I say this all the time, I have never in my entire life, Mike. I don't know if you have. I've never met a successful hater. No, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, I've no, never I met haven't. a successful person that yeah. hates. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Totally just, agreed. Just broke bitter ones. So do you want to? I, I do want to hit on the social media, kind of what we do, because I want to. I do want to give some value on that. Because yeah, I that, think that'd be great. Let's dive in. Let's say, uh, so, yeah, go for it. First of all, you have to streamline and you have to understand that there's content everywhere. So it's not just about quality. It's about quantity, too. It's about quality and quantity. I was talking to Gary Vee about this years ago, um, and he really helped me design and build my brand when I was younger. Bless him for taking time when I didn't know one knew who I was to help me. I'll never forget that. But first, for us, we streamline. So when I do a podcast, I video myself doing the podcast and my team takes that. They create an article, whether it's Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, they create an article from that, simplified, and then there's snippets from the video that we put on Instagram, and then my team translates them to Instagram stories, and then they give me, in, in a folder, they give me Instagram story, a snippet for Instagram, and Twitter uh, a Twitter snippet. So I do one podcast. It goes to my podcast. I get an article from it. I get Instagram stories, Instagram snippet, and a Twitter snippet, and all in one. So this is me spending 20, 30 minutes and it goes to four or five different platforms. I think people need to start thinking in terms of leverage and streamline versus doing a podcast, then doing a video for YouTube, then writing an article and then building another video based on Instagram. That's the first thing we do. So I have a team that does all that for me. And the biggest thing is making sure you're consistent on each platform. So I have a timeline every single week. My team knows when to send me certain things, when things are coming out. We have a, a social media timeline on when my YouTube videos come out, when I'm posting my snippets, when we're promoting a webinar or an event. So it starts with having uh, uh, thinking ahead streamlining and making sure you have the right people to fulfill that. And we've gone through a lot of people, but now we finally have the right team that is really, really good at what I'm not that good at. So it, it's figuring out your weaknesses and hiring people that complement your weaknesses so you can only focus on your strengths. I don't know how to edit videos. I don't know how to create snippets. I don't know how to do any of that. So I just thought through what I need to make sure my brand is consistent, engaging, and I create a timeline for my team to get that to me too. Do you use a certain platform for scheduling and content management or, or distribution, right? Yeah, my team, my team uses a, a, we just use Google Docs for, for like all the scheduling calendars. Okay. And then they give me in, in Google folders, like I have my mixtape and I have my, my Game Changers Academy snippets. So I get, I think it's like 20 of those a month. And I don't know if that was what you're asking. We use a specific program for like keeping track of all that, which is just Google Docs. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know if you were using like, let's just say Hootsuite or you know, Edgar or something like that. But yeah, that's, yeah, my, that's cool. one of my team that does the podcast, the post, all that uses used to use Edgar. I don't know if they still do. And to be very honest, uh, I have expectations for my team. I have accountability systems in place to make sure everything gets done. And then I give them feedback on a call. I give them so much flexibility because I trust them. I don't know some of the stuff they do, but we track the results that are most important. So that's something that 
Maybe it's good or bad. I don't want to get in the weeds. I want to give them so much flexibility where I don't micromanage them. So that's why you have to spend more time on the back end, hiring the right people with the right experience and giving them the power to make choices to say, here's the, we're very outcome focused. Here's the end result of these videos, whatever you got to do to organize them. Let's go. And then there's account. I think people have expectations of their team, but they're very bad at having accountability. And then they're even worse at giving them feedback on how to improve. So I teach my team to be self-sufficient. Yeah. So. I mean, we could do a whole show on that. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It, it took me a lot. I mean, almost all the systems I've built have been from frustration. You can probably yeah. relate. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my systems come from is frustration. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple minutes left. Last question as tactical as you can get, let's say your Instagram was taken down to zero tomorrow. You've got great content, you know, that you know you can start producing. But if you had to start over from scratch, you want to get up to, let's say, 50,000 Instagram followers as fast as you can. You've got money to put towards that. What would be the most effective strategy to build a really genuine account? Um, You know, obviously real subscribers, no gimmicks. Uh, Is it is it going out and doing shout outs via other influencers? Is it, is it, uh, you know, paid Instagram ads? What would you say would be the most effective? Yeah. I mean, if I had to start over, I think I would make sure I knew exactly what the purpose of my Instagram was and what the outcome of Instagram was making sure the brand is consistent because a brand is a consistent message. And then I would start posting. I would ask, it depends for me. I have a, I have a pretty big platform and a pretty big, uh, uh, fan base in terms of my email list and stuff. I would ask people to help me build it. I would do contests once or twice a week where I'd give away certain things and have people tag three or four hustlers or three or four people. And I would also do influencer marketing where I would pay influencers that are very, here's the key, influencers that are very relevant to my brand, making sure their followers have a similar need and message to what mine is. And I'd pay them a couple times a week and I would post consistently, probably twice a day, mixing video content with quotes and continue to do what I've been doing. So there's nothing crazy different, but that's how you build it consistently is posting good content where people share it, doing contests, making sure your your uh, your captions are compelling and engaging, and also influencer marketing and having someone that knows hashtags. There's hashtags right now. I have such a great list of hashtags where they get you in, in a, I don't even know what they're called. My, I, I, my guy does this for me. He sends me the hashtags, but they get you in engagement groups that make you go viral and they get you in uh, explorer pages. So if I hashtag a certain thing and it gets a couple hundred likes pretty quickly, it goes to the explorer page and that's where millions of people see it. So some posts will get three, four, 5,000 likes and a hundred, 200 comments. Some will only get 1500 or 2000 likes because didn't get the Explorer page. But that's something people are not taking advantage of is the right hashtags. That's Very a cool. huge game changer. Very cool. And do you guys talk about this in uh, in your academy or anywhere else? Yeah, we have a whole training in the academy because we do we have we actually have a, a lot of 20 to 30 year olds that are making six, seven figures on social media, teaching some of this. So they brought in their trainings as well that include in the academy. So if, yeah, and the academy's it's tougher to get into if they want to apply. I don't know if you were going there, if you can give them that website, that'd be cool. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask you next is where can folks go to connect with you? 
Yeah. So Instagram, uh, it's Peter J. Voog. I'm pretty active on that. And if you let me know, if you have a question, you let me know you're from this podcast. I will definitely take some time and, and help you and answer any questions you have. But gamechangersmovement.com is our academy. It's been going on for five and a half years. And it, it's for anyone who really wants to level up every area of their life and, and become a game changer in what they do. They can learn about it um, at the website, gamechangersmovement.com. And, and actually, I mean, I have a website, peterjvoog.com, where they can uh, check anything else that I'm doing. But honestly, I just, I want to give value. I didn't want to promote anything i want them the best thing they can do is just go out and crush it and and build real businesses that help people and inspire people so absolutely awesome brother well this has been filled with uh, a ton of little golden nuggets in in the short amount of time we had together today so thank you so much for I, for bringing so I much to the table absolutely well it's a pleasure it's a pleasure peter uh, to finally have you on the show guys go connect with him check out his instagram account it's one of the ones that i follow and i've learned a lot just from observation and it's been awesome. So, Peter, thank you it, so much. Absolutely. And uh, let me as, say one more thing, too, just because I, I know your audience is hungry. You bet. I, I've been realizing something the last couple of years that's holding most people back. And I don't know if it's like this with your audience, but the number one thing I've seen, Mike, in the last seven, eight, nine, ten years is no one ever tells themselves right now matters. I think I want to get that across that right now matters more than ever. Most people are on the someday aisle and most people spend the first half of their life saying they're too young and the second half saying they're too old and now matters more than ever. And I've been obsessed with having no regrets. So when you're listening to Mike's podcast, when you're engaging in this content, execute right away and fail, take action, experimentation over perfection. And if you can take action when you don't feel like it, you're going to be able to look yourself in the eyes when you're 70, 80 and have no regret. I'm just obsessed with just having no regret when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old. And it starts with telling yourself right now matters. That's funny. You know That's what I mean? my primary motivation as well. Period. How could it not be? Like I see regret in people's eyes, Mike, and it, it gives me goosebumps. It drives me crazy. If I could tell anyone anything, just make sure whatever you do, you're moving with purpose and intention and you're proud of what you've built and accomplished in the next 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years. But you got to make decisions today that your future self will thank you for, which isn't always easy, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Well, once again, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Guys, gals, thank you so much for listening as always and for your support. And we'll see you next week. Take care. See you guys.